Right, okay, I think we're on line now. Everything working? Yep, yep, I'm on line, you ready to start? Yep, got my beer, ready to go. Um, It's been like three months since we last did the episode, maybe mm-hmm. we should talk about like major events that have happened to us since then. Has anything major happened with you? Um, yeah, so something pretty major in my job, I uh, submitted a paper and it got rejected. And now I'm oh, uh, <laughs> my I first paper. I didn't know that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I submitted a paper, my first academic paper, got rejected. Uh, and now we're reworking it, trying to submit it again. That took up a fair amount of time. Just back from Denmark, actually. I was there for four days for a conference, got back last night. Um, it was pretty good. I met many, many Scandinavian people. One person <laughs> called Trolls. His name yeah. was Trolls, which I thought was brilliant. And he was lovely. And have, have you ever seen The Killing? Uh, no, I've not. Season one of The Killing, the main politician character is called Trolls. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. well, there you go. I didn't realize it was uh, unknown to the West. Actually, they're part, yeah. they're part of the West. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways famous almost... eastern bloc country <laughs> denmark yeah um so that got in the way of us getting in front of the microphone i reckon uh yeah yeah also i've been training for triathlons and stuff so it's just been very busy oh, yeah. time for me so what what about you anything much going on mm, nothing comes to mind okay wake up in the morning and i go and get the paper Gotta get the paper Every morning gotta go and get the paper And a nice cup of coffee Or the one with two espresso shots And it called red eye Okay, so welcome to episode 8 Of the Great Underreaction podcast My name is Callum White And I'm joined, as always By Andrew Ernesto Seaton Andrew, how are you? I am really good I've had a great day With my son in the sun No. Oh. Pissed down here, actually. Did it? Yeah, absolutely creamed it down. We were in shorts, we went to the park, we went to the other park, we went to the physio, and (laughs) uh, I got my knee seen to, and uh, we were walking into the physio, and the first thing Felix said was, physio is easier to say than physiotherapist, because I'd just been saying saying that (laughs) on the walk down. He's not wrong. He's not. I was like, I was like, I was explaining why we don't bother saying physiotherapist in full. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. It is true. Yeah. Um, you did send me a picture of your lovely son out and about in the sun in mm-hmm. a full Arsenal kit. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I resisted the urge to call him a full kit wanker. <laughs> but he was. Had the shorts and the shirt on. You know, he, uh, when I got him dressed this morning, I only put the shirt on, and then um, he complained he was too hot with trousers. Uh, and they're the only shorts he owns, it turns out. So wow. <laughs> on those went. Yep. Really? Yeah. You need to get your son more shorts. I well, know, you do live in Dundee, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just that the last time he could wear shorts was last summer, so none of them fit him anymore, and we haven't updated the wardrobe. Yeah. You know? Yep. So it goes, kids, these they grow, and then things don't fit. It's well, it's kind of crazy. Yep, cost a fortune. 
so yeah, that covers our intro and pithy banter section. Um, shall we just go straight into this week's great underreaction, which I think is going to come from you? Yes, it is coming. Did you from have me. more? Do you have more intro and pithy banter? Well, do you not want to like at least mention a little bit what's been going on in your life? <laughs> just like a little uh, since bit. since the last uh podcast was recorded i have finished my phd um i have started a new job working for the government uh, i can't say anything more than that all i can say is that i had to sign the official secrets act and um i had a child so that's why we've not been recording so just much. A, so just a few things. I've been busy. Yeah, I actually finished technically finished the PhD and had the baby on the same day. Oh. So that was my most productive day to date. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. Output, achieve, achieving output. That's what. <laughs> yeah. In twenty nineteen, where we just like <laughs> measure everything. That was the, one of the more... I mean, it was by midday as well. That was the thing. The rest of the day did fuck all, got to be honest. I, yeah, well, I bet your, it was, your step counter would have been shit then. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that great a day. I, I, I mean, I, I think that you get your steps up by nervous pacing. So Oh, you do a lot of that in, in, the, in the labor ward. <laughs> Didn't have also, time to, to be honest. With the... Um, that's probably bouncing a baby up and down. That probably sets off a step counter. So you don't need to do that in the first few days, though. No, there's no bouncing, soothing, is there? No, they just sort of lie there for the first few days, and you're like, "This is a piece of piss." I don't know why everyone complains. And then they go, <laughs> they like gain sentience after about a week, and then go like, "Wait, I can express my discontent." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You've obviously forgotten that <laughs> lull in between. I forgot the I, I forgot that there was this little sweet window at the beginning that had left me. Yeah, mind. yeah. Where they, when they just come out, they like can't do anything, and they just sort of lie and feed and shit, and that's about it. They don't cry too much. Yeah. Well, um, at least ours didn't. Yeah, and you've lucked out with a very easy baby who just loves to be left alone. And put down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's three months old and she spent about four minutes of her life not on top of an adult. So. <laughs> she's right. getting better. Yes. She'll get there. All right. Um, let's let's go on. That now that we've properly explained the absence to the listeners. Because you know, there's people on. in Ireland who don't know you, you know. The great underreaction, right? It's uh, my story this Wait, because we need to do the intro music, so and let's throw it to the great underreaction. Okay, so uh, I thought I'd give us a nice easy story to ease us in after a few months off the podcasting. I'm going to talk about a totally non-controversial topic for which most analysis and news coverage has been totally on the money and not at all hysterical. And that is Castor Semenya. (laughs) 
I was waiting for you before we hit record on this show. I was yeah. going to try and do it, and I started laughing. I was like, I don't know if it's going to just get me in so much trouble. Uh, I was going to sing Semenya like the start of The Lion King. Because be honest, that's what you did before we hit record. <laughs> ah, Semenya. Topic of the Great Underaction Podcast. Excellent. Okay, great. That's, Here we go. That'll be every time we talk about Semenya from now on. We'll cut, we'll, <laughs> we'll cut that in. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll do it. Oh. We don't need to cut it in. I'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, quick, a quick recap. Uh, Castor Semenya is this. Right. Every time we get done now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. Um, Castor Semenya was the. <laughs> Sorry. It's so stupid. <laughs> uh okay a runner she's south african runner um she competes in the 400 800 and uh 1500 meters and for kind of years and years she has been subjected to hmm, how should we put this uh a high degree of scrutiny and not only about drug testing which all elite athletes are but also about questions of her gender and whether she's really a woman and i think this started mm-hmm. this was the first i think i heard about this was back in 2009 when she first won the world i think she won the worlds um mm-hmm. and so it's rumbled on she she had like a gender test a sex test and then the results were never released but eventually she came to some agreement with the uh, governing body and she was allowed to compete again in 2010 after a brief hiatus. And then she's kind of like rumbled along. It's all been in the news every now and then uh, stories. And she's just like shown so much class to just keep on racing and, uh, and keep on doing what she does until recently when it's all like kind of exploded again. And the most recent development has been this ruling that, um, it's basically a testosterone ruling, and we and you we've talked a lot about testosterone, so it'll be interesting to to hear your thoughts on this, Callum, because we've mm-hmm. we've on this podcast numerous times ripped into the idea that testosterone is this like miracle hormone that is the only thing that matters about performance. Um, but anyway, so the ruling body has uh, just recently, I think about a month ago passed a ruling um, limiting the testosterone levels in female athletes. And anyone who has testosterone levels greater than some upper limit, they have to reduce them if they want to compete. And Castor Semenya Mm -hmm. will definitely have to reduce hers in order to compete. Mm -hmm. So have I I done a good job in summarizing it up so far? Anything I missed? Yep. Yep. The decision was on the 1st of May by the Court of Arbitration for Sport in Switzerland. And it means that athletes, and it's not just some menu who's going to be affected with elevated testosterone levels, have to take suppressive treatments if they wish to compete as women in certain events. Right. And it, what is particularly... Okay, maybe we should just put our cards on the table, right? So what do you th- so my opinion is this is this ruling is horseshit and horrible mm. and based on completely flawed and totally targeted motivated 
particularly at Castor Semenya. And the damning thing about it is that it, this only applies to the 400 meters, the 800 meters, and the 1,500 meters, which just so happens to be the three distances that Castor Semenya races at. Oh, no, it's a, I think it also includes the 100, 200. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, but it's like right up to it's like what what's the last what's the longest distance Castor Semenya races? Right, that'll be the cutoff then. After that, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like that's like obviously what's happened. Um, right, and Castor Semenya in the like this controversy basically started by her being so good that <laughs> they sort of like histrionic reaction was like you couldn't be this good something else must be going on and by the way she looks kind of like a man (laughs) and that's like the foundation for this whole thing it is it's like she looks kind of like a man she's got quite broad shoulders and she's got quite a deep voice Yeah. yeah and then uh so so let let me just say that so what i'm gonna greatly underreact to is one piece in particular, but it's like a, um, it's an example of a bunch of pieces I've read, which basically take this story and are using it in as a like a pawn in some broader culture war that's going on. So yep. I'm that's my great underreact. I'm like greatly underreacting to anyone taking this and like. And basically, in this story, it's right-wing commentators taking this and then using it to try and say that left-wing people who, I don't know, this who basically to slag off people who put pronouns in their Twitter bio or something, right? You know, <laughs> that's basically who they're, they're like taking this and they're trying to they're trying to use it as this pawn in a, a wider piece to show these people are like idiots, don't even know about like like women are women and men are men and blah blah blah. I don't know. So yeah. we can talk about we can talk ab- about the specific piece because it's got some just ridiculous sentences in in it. But uh, anyway, so so maybe it's time to throw over to you, Kyle. What do you think about this whole thing? Well, the first thing I want to do is uh, commend you for being so brave as to bring this topic up, especially after what happened in episode four, <laughs> where you where you just repeatedly stated how much you hate women of color (laughs) uh i think what might can i can i please defend myself (laughs) as a reminder i believe you're talking about the um serena williams um meltdown situation and the coverage of it yep and the sex the supposedly sexist umpire my my great underreaction wasn't to say like take the umpire side it was to take emphatically no side whatsoever based on the evidence I had. <laughs> I was greatly well, underreacting to anyone taking a side. <laughs> that's not that's not how I remember it and I'm sure if I go back I can uh, I can doctor some sound clips to to make my okay. case. Um I think what's what's most difficult about this whole story to me is well there are a lot of things that are very difficult but what we're what they're trying to do or what the public in general and journalism in general tries to do is normalize 
elite athletes who are the most atypical physical humans that like exist. Like Usain Bolt is not a regular man. He can run faster than anyone has ever run in the history of time. He's not going to be a regular person. None of the uh, women athletes are going to be completely typical in their um, physiological makeup or in the, if you start analyzing their blood and their hormones and their um, testosterone, God forbid, they're all going to present in slightly atypical ways. And Semenya's atypicality has meant that she's amazing at running. And it's that exact thing that now is the cause of persecution where one suspects if she was a man who was just like more souped up than other guys and could run faster, we would just be like, that's insane. Mm. Or probably if she were white and from Great Britain or the US, we would just be like, that's insane. She's just so much faster than these other people. Mm. But unfortunately for Semenya, she happens to be a black woman. And there's a huge amount of like really horrible racialness underneath a lot of the criticism or the, the phony accusations that accompany discussion of Semenya, in mm. my opinion. I, I totally agree. I, I'm, I mean, there has been some really hilarious uh, comments made uh, there was a oh, what's her name? Oh, let me try and find it now. Uh, hang on. Right, so there was a um, a Russian runner called Maria Savinova, and when uh, <laughs> when questioned about Semenya and whether she may be a man, <laughs> this was back. I think this was early on. <laughs> she sneered uh, just look at her and that was like enough evidence for her right just look at her and then later on this yep. same athlete maria savinova was uh <laughs> was caught using performance enhancing drugs and recommended a, a lifetime ban <laughs> was banned for life for doping <laughs> it was said this piece said i read it and it, it said recommended but uh um, I don't know if it actually happened, but anyway, I just thought like oh. Russian athlete was racist and doping. Yes, <laughs> basically not a good look for the Russian. Hugely lady. surprising news. Hugely <laughs> surprising. Yeah. Um, so, what's this article that you were referencing? Give me oh, right, some okay. examples of the terrible quotations. Okay, so let's. I don't want to. So, some of the article I like, and it's it's. It's like the first two thirds. I'm like, yeah, okay, he's putting like a reasonable case together, right? He's saying like, um, he says things like, "There's no satisfactory conclusion here. Semenya has done nothing wrong, and neither have her competitors." Uh, blah blah blah, right? And it's the court of arbitration for sport acknowledged it was forced to discriminate either against Semenya or against other women in sport. We could argue about whether the, the that was correct that sentence anyway but anyway uh, it's andrew sullivan this um this is the art the writer who's a generally a right-wing commentator and this is in the new york magazine right 
And he kind of like goes through the arguments. He gives the range of the natural range of testosterone in women, which is about um, 0.3 to 2.4 NPL. What the hell does that mean? Who knows? But men have 10 to 38 NPL on average, right? Uh, typically, there's not an overlap. Right. In in the vast majority of cases, all men have more testosterone than almost all men have more testosterone than almost all women. And it's these um, women who we might call intersex or men that we might call intersex that are the kind of odd cases in between. Yeah. Um, so uh, there is a big difference, 0 0.3 to 2.4, and then a big jump, and then it's 10 to 38. So there, right. there is a difference between men and women in terms of testosterone levels. No one yep. denies that, right? Um, except this this article later on pretends like everyone's denying that. Um, <laughs> um, and then he's saying like, okay, you can look at other traits, which is kind of like the point you were making. So there's this thing, have you heard this thing about Michael Phelps? Apparently, his body produces way less lactic acid than is normal. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's like incredibly helpful if you want to do something like swim for a long time. Yeah, right. So your 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 muscles don't get this like aching fatigue that lactic acid makes your muscles feel like when you. That's what you're feeling when your muscles are tired, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and there's some debate about how much it helped him, of course, because you no one really knows the effect of that. Right. Um, overall, right. Um. Uh, right. So yeah, he, he was he was also massive and had like size sixteen feet and the largest hands known to man and like a body that was just clearly produced to swim in the same way that Mufara clearly has a body that was produced to run really long distances. Right. So yeah. So let's get, here's a sentence from this article then. So why penalize one natural advantage over the others? The answer to that is that the natural advantage of males' levels of testosterone over females outweighs anything else that might be pertinent within each sex's range. Among the members of each sex, you can have natural advantages that can confer an edge, but most are subtle, and they are nowhere near powerful enough as a determinant as testosterone is. So that is a huge claim, right? Yeah. An enormous claim. And if testosterone was so important then there would be some clear sign, right, that testosterone amongst these women, these elite women, right? Yeah. Right, so which is not the case at all. So there are lots of women who compete and have beaten Semenya and races who don't have abnormal levels of testosterone. Yeah. Right, so this sentence here is just wrong that whole point there is just completely wrong um, well the other point to yeah. go alongside that is that in the last what 100 years or however long we've been the professionalization of sports even if you say since the 60s in the the course of the last 50 years say semenya is not going to have been the only human born with these kind of physical abnormal traits. Right. But it's the only one who is amazing at running. So right. either 
we need to say that a huge number of other factors are also contributing, such as like the rest of your physiological makeup and mental toughness and training ability and all of these other things that go into it. Or that everyone else who has the same physical traits, this, this same abnormality in terms of testosterone levels, just could have battered everyone else by competing athletically, but chose not to. Sorry, you're done talking. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, done no, talking because I, no, I decisively delivered uh, yeah. my point. Okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with you. Like, you know, there's something really odd about like this hyper focus on testosterone. So a couple of things come to mind. Like one is um I've watched a video of uh Raheem Sterling's uh I think it's his daughter. It might have been his son, but I think it was his daughter playing football and like as a toddler age like two and she's just got like this physical coordination that felix doesn't have age three and a half right and i looked at it and i just thought there's something like about just physical coordination there's some genetic component here your dad's like an elite athlete an amazing footballer and you're just like clearly better at moving your body around than my son is <laughs> he's had like double yeah. he's been alive like double the amount of time you have um you see videos of messi when he was like two and he honestly is better than i was when i was 11 yeah it's crazy he can do like flicks and kicks and like he's just like he looks like he's a genuine footballer and he's two it's crazy right right so there's like this huge genetic component in it. I mean, there's no getting around it, right? The other thing I think of is that um, I remember uh, watching some interviews about Cristiano Ronaldo and it was some of his teammates at Man United who said that he just seemed to be like faster at reacting and that was like his edge. He just seemed to be like slightly faster at everything, just like noticing what was happening and then reacting just a split second ahead, right? So he's got like, maybe he's got some like muscle twitch fibers or whatever it is that gives him this edge right but that's just that's his genetic makeup right yeah Yeah. and maybe his his (laughs) you could call that a subtle difference but if that's a subtle difference that's led to him being like the greatest one of the greatest footballers of all time i mean it's not that subtle then is it you know like the edge has, has given him the ability to perform at an insane level for his whole career so it's just it makes no sense to me to pick testosterone and then pick running and then pick the races that Castor Semenya races. I mean it's just up to 1 mile. Yeah, you know it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I just can't see any mm. way any other way of viewing it. Um mm. I was reading this paper in Nature which was about this and the um the guy said because the IAAF the International Arbitration Organization, who governs all of this, they are a a non-profit organization, so they behave kind of like a business, and so they don't consider themselves subject to international agreements like the Declaration of Human Rights. 
Mm. And, and so the rulings that they make on things like this are not grounded in any of the ethical frameworks that we make all of our other decisions on based on that. Mm. Right. So it's just essentially a bunch of dudes in Switzerland who sit down and go, Semenya, we need to stop that from happening, isn't it? Right. And then they then they do, you know? There's no mm. there's no framework or foundation really behind this. It's quite ad hoc for something which is so internationally far reaching. Mm. Yeah. Um right, well let's get to the craziness of this article. So uh so it starts going off the rails when he starts he quotes this other person, um a philosophy professor, right? Who, um, <clears throat> right? Here's a here's a quote from another article. So, uh, the thing about all this talk equating hormone replacement therapy to doping and the threat to biological females and the unfair advantages of male puberty and male puberty is in, in quotation marks <laughs> is that it's based entirely on social perceptions of gender. There is absolutely no scientific evidence at all that supports their position. Right. So what this guy has done in the New York, New York magazine is he's found an article somewhere called Deadspin. Have you ever heard of Deadspin, Callum? Yeah. You have, actually. I've heard of Deadspin. You've heard of Deadspin? I've never heard of Deadspin. Have you never heard of Deadspin? No. Oh, oh Deadspin's well. fucking shit, man. <laughs> is it? Dead, Deadspin uh, writes sports articles, but it's kind of like... Um, Bleacher Report, maybe. Ah, uh, okay. I've I've read Bleacher Report. It's a bit yeah. like um, what's the what's the website Buzzfeed? It's like it's a bit like Buzzfeed for sports, I would say. Right. They're like very clickbaity. Does lots of um, images and videos and tries to like recycle oh, through. God, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, so what he's done here is he's trolled the internet and found someone writing an article writing on this who says that 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 gender is like a social construct right so this guy's primed this andrew sullivan guy right he's he knows his target his target are the people who think that gender is a social construct right he's gone and he's found a quote right and then he says, McKinnon is a philosophy professor. The idea that there is absolutely no scientific evidence that male puberty dramatically increases physical strength of boys compared to girls is, well, unhinged. It's the left's version of climate change denial. So it, when you read this piece from top to bottom, everything up to there has been about Casper Semenya and sport. And then suddenly we've got the left's version of climate denial and gender as a social construct just chucked in there just for a bit of a laugh they're just flying <laughs> just thrown in there and then he says oh i don't know he just goes off on one and then he says i suspect it's related to postmodernism's attempt to turn everything in the world in the world into something humans have created and can therefore control right so if you play bingo with this right you know you've got gender as a social construct you've got postmodernism You've got like it's just completely. Uh, you've got patriarchy coming up, right? It's just like a, all of a sudden the article just turns into this whole culture war thing, and I just find it despicable that mm. none of that is required to talk about Castor Semenya, 
and the difficulties mm. of this, right? Because there are difficulties. Like no no one's denying that it's like it's complicated. But no one was <laughs> I just don't know who he's arguing against here. He's just taken Castro Semenya case and now he's having a go at just I don't know, just something completely unrelated to Castro Semenya, in my opinion. Yeah, the Castro Semenya gets used as a proxy for like this whole other fight and Ultimately, it's just this like woman who runs quite well, and she wants to do that. <laughs> and like, if she she wins a gold medal, everyone's like, "Ah, oh, well, you know, fuck that. Mm. That doesn't seem fair, does it?" But you know, when you you were at school and you played a a game, and like you played rugby for the school, and you remember turning up for a game, and then you were in like second year so you were like 12 12 years old or something yeah and then the other team turned up and they were also a bunch of 12 year olds but they had this like six foot guy <laughs> <Yes>. and he <laughs> just battered you and uh, you were like well that doesn't really seem fair i know it's like that but for elite athletes where they're <laughs> like oh this isn't fair yeah like someone in the world has to be the best at running Right. That's just how it is. That's why we have the Olympics and stuff. Someone in the world has to be the best. It stands to reason that the person who is the best is going to be the one whose life and everything has all been predisposed towards being really, really, really good at running. Hmm. I mean, just this article, like, I mean, it just it just keeps going, right? So it just keeps going, right? So there's a distinction between equality and sameness, just as there is a crucial distinction between inequality and difference. If the social justice ideologues, right, there we go. You didn't say social justice warriors, but that could have been on your bingo scorecard. Yeah. Attempted yeah. to make, if they made, attempted to make all sports co-ed, there would be a universal outcry outside of a few pockets of wokeness. Blah, 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 right? The deeper laws of nature establishing this core human equality are enshrined in America's Declaration of, Indepe Declaration of Independence. They do not mean we are all substantively the same or all end up in the same place. We are just morally and politically equal. Who would want to live in a world like this where we are, we are all interchangeable, where nature is irrelevant? where men are the same as women and where acknowledging the variations of humanity is relegated to the precincts of bigotry. How much drearier than the actual diverse, fascinating natural world we live in. What? That's not, <laughs> that's not at all the declaration of independence that I remember, whichever Baldwin it is that's an independence day making. Uh, is that a Baldwin? The president in Independence. Is he a Baldwin? That's a Baldwin, yeah. No way, really? I'm going to cut uh, it and put the sign track in as well. No, come on. There's no way. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. An Independence Day. Yeah. Right. Let me look up. Independence Day yeah. film. Let's <laughs> yeah, the internet. Hang on. I'm looking up. I'm looking up. Good morning. Good morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. 
And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Oh no, shit, it's not Bill Baldwin. Baldwin. <laughs> it's not Bill Adam, Adam Baldwin is in it though. Where, where, where? He's oh, not, he's... I don't think he's related to the other Baldwins. <laughs> you know the guy who's oh, in charge yeah. of Area 51? Yeah, he's also. In, His name uh... is Adam Baldwin. Oh well, let's say I'm half right yeah. then. He's also in. Um... <laughs> he's in. What's that TV show with. Uh... Like space cowboys and thieves. Firefly. He's in Firefly. Oh yeah, Serenity. Yeah. 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 There right. Go. Well, yeah. I'm gonna just edit that whole thing there. <laughs> no, I think you should leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I mean I don't understand how he he can end I can end up in this place from the start of the article where it's all about like uh the kind of like the facts of the case of Semenya, and then suddenly he's claiming that people are against laws of nature. People want to abolish gender, and they're like, but what if there wasn't men and women competing in different races? It would be fucking madness. And then you go, that's not what this is about. (laughs) We're not proposing that men and women race in the same race. We're just proposing that Semenya is allowed to race in the race that she was born into. I know it's crazy, isn't it? And it, I just uh, this whole thing has just gotten under my skin. With the, I'm so bored of this. Like everyone on the right thinking everyone on the left is a complete knob end, and everyone on the left thinking everyone on the right is evil. Everyone on the right their, is a complete core. knob end, though. To be fair, so <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm more sympathetic, but I'm not right. sympathetic to this guy Andrew Sullivan, who's just tried to take this like incredibly like i mean how shit must castor semenya be feeling right now and just to take this horrible case and just use it in this way to basically say you social justice warriors you're fucking knobs i just hate it i just hate everything about this piece so yeah. I'm, I'm i guess i'm over i'm, I'm not underreacting am i i'm, I'm quite i've reacted <laughs> i've no, been you're... triggered 
you're greatly underreacting. I'm greatly underreacting to this guy, Andrew Sullivan. Right. Um, fuck you, Andrew Sullivan. Yeah. Right. Let's move on to something that's less controversial then. Let's do it. Uh, so my first story that I would like to talk about is there was a story which was run on BBC. Sir Vincent Company? Question mark. No Champions League final? Question mark. The best rejected football petitions. Oh. Now the latest Game of Thrones episode, the last Game of Thrones episode is this Sunday, but its final season has apparently left fans dis- disappointed. So much so that a petition has been asked, has been launched, asking for season eight to be filmed again with new writers. <laughs> I've, you know, I'm it's spoiler all- free. I'm spoiler free on Game of Thrones. Well, I don't watch it, so I can't spoil anything. Okay. Um, even though I was thinking earlier about how I completely spoiled the absolute shite out of it for Louisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we were we were not having a nice, oh, a lovely walk in like Regent's Park or something. Is yeah, that where we were? It was the first time I ever met Louisa, and we were talking about Game of Thrones, oh. and I didn't realize it was a TV series. <laughs> and we were we were just talking about the. Uh, you thought we were just talking. I thought about we were the just books. talking about the books which yeah. I'd read, and mm. then uh, spoiled the Red Wedding for Louisa, mm. who absolutely <laughs> was oh. not a happy person. I know. Read the fucking books, though, Louisa. Your own fault. So, <laughs> um, this story. So. After only a few days, it has more than half a million signatures. But Game of Thrones isn't the only thing fans wish they could change. There have been some amazing football requests submitted to the official UK Parliament petitions website. And so if you get 10,000 signatures for a petition, then it has to get a response from the government. After 100,000 signatures, petitions are considered for debate in Parliament. So these are rejected but are still pretty good. (laughs) So on 8th of May, there was a petition created to cancel the Champions League final. (laughs) Wait, wait, Uh, let me guess why. Let me guess why. Can I please guess why? Why? Is it because... Okay, this is the petition I would have made anyway. Is it... No, I'm going to ask you what that is. Well, is it something along the lines of, like, we can't let Liverpool fans win the Champions League and we can't let Spurs fans have a win the Champions <laughs> League. So we have to just stop everything. Yeah. Is that it? Was that it? Of course it was. <laughs> uh, the other one it would have been was it, we can't let, I was going to guess, was Pochettino or Klopp win a trophy because oh. that would spoil the great narratives of neither of those. Yeah, it was actually a journalist who called it up. Oh. I've just been jumped on by the cat. <laughs> um, did you hear that noise? Yeah, I heard a big thump. <laughs> that was me throwing the cat off the table. Oh, poor cat. Um, another petition made was for Vincent Company to get a knighthood. Um 15 people managed to back the request before it fell foul of the petition website's rules. So 15, I reckon I could get 15 people to support my knighthood. (laughs) Yeah, okay, we'll do it. Once this episode airs, someone try and uh, create a petition for Callum's knighthood. We'll see if it happens. And uh, someone created a petition to transfer Shrodran Mustafi. 
Or how many signatures? To, quote, literally anywhere. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Siberia is literally anywhere. Yeah. Um, it only got six before it got pulled. I think oh, they probably monitor it quite closely. Yeah. Um, what in the sporting world would you create a petition for, Andrew? Oh, wow. Okay. So because the Champions League is coming up, that that you know you've picked two really obvious ones the Mustafi one I might have gone to next <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I've got a uh, a mind that's in tune with the zeitgeist um, mm. oh let me think um, <laughs> so mine I might uh, I might petition the government to create a new super science lab to bionically recreate Andy Murray's body for him. <laughs> you know, like Wolverine style. Yeah, that would be good. Or Captain America style or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got one. Yep. Uh, I would petition, I would create a petition for uh, Celtic to be forced to leave the SPL and join and join <gasps> the uh, English Premier League, and then presumably I would, get I would support it. <laughs> I would support it, but only if you made Celtic start in the like English third degree division or something. Oh, I'm like happy that. with that. Just if like, they started in League League Two, yeah. and there's like sixty thousand Glaswegians <laughs> piling down yes. to to watch them play against Doncaster. <laughs> yep, that's what I want to see happen. I want them. This is Pashman. <laughs> We're a European club. We're a European club, by the way. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm so bored of Celtic, and I just want yeah. them to realise their level. And I think it's easier for them to see their level, their true level, in England. I No, I agree. I think that they probably... I think that the Swansea and Cardiff model... Has clearly worked for those clubs. Seems to have worked for the Welsh national team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that there's much of a football league that exists beyond that. But you know, football at a regional and local level in Scotland is far better supported than it is in Wales. So, yeah, I think if you took out these like un- unassailable hegemons of Celtic and Rangers, mm-hmm. who just have way more money, much like. You know, one in three fans in Scotland supports one of those two teams. Right. Yeah. If you just took them out, then like Aberdeen might win the league, or Hearts might win the league, or Hibs might win the league, mm-hmm. or you know, it would. I know. It'd be shite football, but at least there'd be something about. Genuine. Yeah, that, that's what I'm because the reason I want it to change is because in a few years' time, Felix is going to be old enough to take football games, and I don't want it to just be completely pointless. You know. Yeah. Even though it's crap football. Yeah. Like we went to some <laughs> we went to some really crap football. Uh two weekends ago, uh it was the Edinburgh, an Edinburgh Amateur League Cup final <laughs> cuz uh wow. uh Felix's uncle was playing in the team and they won and he won man of the match and it was uh he was he was very good. He was noticeably better than almost anyone else on the pitch. Um but even this like truly awful football match was such a great thing to go to with Felix. It was so much fun. Um and I just I just wish that there was some sort of I don't know some sort of interesting level of Scottish football where it, you knew that you you thought there might be a chance for your team to get something somewhere, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. No, I'm with you. Right. I'm signing your petition. Okay. My creating Andy Murray as a super soldier to renew tennis, (laughs) I think is better. You know, I haven't watched any tennis. I haven't watched any tennis since he got injured. No, since Andy Murray's (laughs) back died. I I was just like, right, I'm not watching this. Uh, I watched him hobble off Wimbledon. And that was it. I've not watched any more. Yeah, I've got really. That's not back. true. I've only watched one since then, and that was the first round match he lost in the Australian Open. I might just try this Australian oh, Open uh, one more time. To, uh, no, miss, I've got really sore back. <laughs> I'm gonna go off again. Yeah, no, maybe come back for Wimbledon, but towel, please, towel. <laughs> Uh, I can't make fun of Andy Murray since I oh. I think I sound quite like him quite a lot of the time. <laughs> that's, what, that's what my mum really? says. Oh, there you go. Yeah, she says I sound like Andy Murray. Must be true. I think it's just that I'm a moany bastard. Um, so, moving on to my next story. This is a brief right. one. Um, uh, Sky Sports uh, News reported today that Tony Pulis leaves role as Middlesbrough manager after contract expires. And I just wanted to say, fuck you, Tony Pulis. <laughs> Brilliant. You know, um, when uh, <laughs> such is the kind of like taint of Tony Pulis that uh, I saw West Brom got uh, knocked out of the playoffs uh, by Aston Villa. And I just thought, oh, fucking brilliant. Fuck you, Tony Pulis. Even though he's not managed there for a while. <laughs> he's not managed there for ages. <laughs> it's just like his taint is, you know, if you have like, you know, Tupperware, if you put like some oily food in Tupperware, you know, like. Yeah, put like um, turmeric yeah, based turmeric curry. Turmeric based curry there. or like a pasta pesto and then you can't, like it's forever stained. That's like what you're doing to your club if you hire Tony Pulis as your manager. Absolutely. So that was just a very brief one that I wanted to just raise. Um, and my last story was, I thought that um, we should maybe talk about the European final competitions and just mm-hmm. how much um, UEFA clearly doesn't give a shit at all. They're like the equivalent of a drunk person on a night out and the police are all around being like, Mate, I think you might have had a bit too much to drink, and they like get their knob out and run down the street. <laughs> you mean fully naked, just like I do not care. Are about you talking? This. Don't care. Are about you talking about think. the Europa League final? Both of them, to be honest, right. because the Europa League is like this is such a joke of a competition that we're going to put it in back. I know. <laughs> it's like, and we'll give you six thousand seats each. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy, <laughs> and they couldn't give more seats. Because there wouldn't fans wouldn't be able to stay because there's not enough hotel. I know <laughs> like, it's like uh, transport accommodation to deal with them. So they were like, "Oh no, we can't give you more seats because we're doing you a favour because you'll have a shit time <laughs> trying ridiculous. to stay." <laughs> so, but also the um, the Champions League final, the ticket allocations were ludicrously mm. low, and the cost of the tickets was like over 600 pounds it's just bananas how much there's this like event which for you know all of the liverpool and 
all the Liverpool fans, but m- more the Spurs fans who've never been there and haven't really been close. This is like the biggest night of most of their footballing lives. You have people who've got Spurs wallpaper in their house who are like going absolutely crazy for Spurs every single week and will be ready to remortgage their house to go to this one-off game because it's the most important Mm. thing in their life and they still can't get a ticket. And someone who like works for... Gazprom doesn't uh, even like football that much. We'll still just turn I, up and it be sitting really there. Drives me mad. I can't. There is a certain level of disdain for the common footballing fan, and you can't think that going to get much money for these like corporate seats in one game, like relative to the wealth of UEFA. It just makes no sense. It's because it's completely corrupt organization, isn't it? Really, like that's essentially why why it's oh, happening. I mean, that's essentially the problem. Yeah, I mean, so Arsenal are playing against Chelsea in the Europa League final, which is being hosted in Baku in right. Azerbaijan, and. So one of Arsenal's players, Henrik Mkhitaryan, is an Armenian native, mm-hmm. and he can't even go because it's, it's too unsafe for him because they can't guarantee his safety. So, like, I mean, it just let's just put on a checklist of places to host your final, right? One of them might be, just an idea, a country is not currently at war. That might be... <laughs> <laughs> Might be on your, you know, <laughs> ones to quickly rule out, you know, <laughs> right from the off. You know, don't put fucking, I mean, actually, I don't even know if they're currently at, I mean, they were recently at war, recently as the last time we considered playing and we had to go to uh, Azerbaijan. Was that like last November in the group stages, was it? Yeah, Mkhitaryan couldn't go yeah. then and I'm sure it was because they're they're literally at war. Those two countries are at war. They don't have diplomatic relations, so oh, he can't get a visa. So even if he wanted to go, although as a symbol, he's the captain of the Armenian football team, so might not be the safest move for him to do in, the, in any case, but he literally uh, couldn't get a visa to go. You know, it, you know, I don't want to be... like This is going to sound really bad. But does Azer does Azerbaijan oh. even? I mean, would you place Azerbaijan in Europe? It's. I mean, it's it's one of those things that's getting very questionable, right? It's the political declaration of like inclusivity in Europe to try and broaden relationships and horizons. They're so far away <laughs> from. From anything right. that we would call Europe. <laughs> no, it's just very far, isn't it? Oh, you're going Euro railing, are you? Oh, where are you going to go to? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. So we're going to start in Portugal and then we'll go up through Spain and then uh, we're going up through France and then, yeah, just all the way to Azerbaijan. <laughs> Azerbaijan, which is like. 4,000 miles, whatever it is. I don't know, it's ridiculous. How long does it take you to yeah. get there? Oh, I, uh, on the train, yeah, it's about oh, 
75 hours i think yeah, yeah. it's like you look even even turkey i would be like turkey you're not really a european country let's just be honest no but it's istanbul you can at least like i know but like what i'm saying is turkey's huge then you've got armenia and then you've got azerbaijan it's like right. it's really fucking far away azerbaijan yeah has borders with countries that we would definitely say are very far away from yeah, uh, Iran. Cats. It it shares a. It's cats what, jumped uh, on top of me again. You ready? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that sounds really satisfying. I don't know why. Yeah. This <laughs> time, trying to jumps up again. <laughs> so, so Azerbaijan borders Armenia, the uh, aforementioned country of uh, Mkhitaryan origin, and then uh, Georgia. Yep. And uh, Iran. Iran. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Russia. So there you go. You're really not that far away from Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, are you? Yeah, I'm not sure. What do you think is more ridiculous? Australia being in Eurovision or Baku being the host of the Europa League final? I mean, Baku was the host of Eurovision like three or four years ago. Wasn't oh, yeah. It? So I think it was longer than that. I think it was when we were at university. Because I think I went to a Eurovision party for it. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I probably said some very unky by European. European. I think it... Oh, hang on. You're uh, oh, just breaking up just a little bit there. Hang on. Let's just give it a second. Um, I think it was the Swedish girl who sang Euphoria. I think oh, that well, was there you, go. You, you remember more than me. I just remember at the end of her performance saying, I love you, Baku. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that could be wrong. But, you know, like, if you need to go a really long way past Romania, if you go to the other side of the Ukraine to try and get to this country, then it's yeah. really quite far away from Europe. So, I mean, that's kind of the... the it's the, kind of their goal, isn't it, to try and expand the borders yeah. of what Europe is? But yeah. it's starting to push it. I don't, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know because of what's happened with the but, World Cup. You have to be slightly cynical. You don't know what's happened. Like Azerbaijan, oil-rich nation. You know, have they just basically yeah. bought the final? You know. Oh no, question that they have. It's just the way that, like the final being in the World Cup being in Russia and then being proposed for Qatar afterwards, even though Qatar is clearly know, not capable of holding a World Cup and in trying to hold a World Cup uh, has been killing people <laughs> to build their stadiums. And they're like, what will we do? Let's put the Europa League final in uh, Baku. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. They're not being... Some like some person who's less senior in the room was like, "I think that people might get quite fucked off because you're only going to give six thousand tickets to a club." And they were like, "Do you know what? Fuck them! You would fuck them!" And then they all went out and had steaks and red wine. There's no, there's no like awareness of what's happened with the World Cup stuff, is there? It's no, there's no like guys. Let's keep our heads down for a few years, like. The no, good time, Jesus the good times Christ. will come again. But just let's keep our head down. Like you've got to give this to like uh, Belgium or something, uh, just for one year. 
and then you know we'll be back with you guys again. But they just have just been like it's so it's so blatant. It I just I can't it's believe it. It's a country it. that you cannot travel to from the majority of major European countries. Right. There are no direct flights from the UK or France or Italy. I think it is a direct flight from Frankfurt, but most people have to go via Istanbul. Yeah. Oh well. Ah oh, well, we're not going, so we don't have to worry about it. No, I'm not going. Um, I might have if I didn't have a baby and it wasn't a 27-hour journey away. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. Right. So. And it was only 6,000 tickets. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we've got to get on to our trope of the week, have we? Yes. Right. I've got this week's trope of the week. My trope of the week this week, and you don't know what this is, and we'll have to see what you think of this. My trope of the week this week is grades. Okay. So, what I'm fed up with, basically, is everything being assigned a grade. Whether or not that is... So, I watch the NFL and classes uh, and teams draft their class. So they have the, the draft and they draft in players. And then immediately at the end of it, ev- these commentators will assign a grade. Or at the end of the summer transfer window, the start of the season, your football writers will assign every team a grade for their summer business. Oh, oh Arsenal got in this player, so it's an A. Yes. Oh, they didn't address this problem, so it's a C-. Minus. Mm. And then beyond that... In the middle of games now, there's like half-time player grades. So there's a person who's watching the game, and they go like, uh, what's Hector Beller? Uh, he's probably best seven. What's uh, Chambers? He's probably like a six and a half. Oh, Ozil scored. He's an eight. And they're just so arbitrary. They're based on no expert opinion. And the thing that pisses me off so much is that... At the end of these things, like for the draft, what you have, or for uh, a club's transfer business, you have a team who's within the club who knows the resources that they have. They know the youth players that they have, the academy players they have, the players that they have who are not playing hugely well for the team but are performing very well in training. They know the players they have that are injured that are going to come back. And they have a vast scouting network who have scoured all the available talent that they can find and dealt with all the agents and they, at the end of that, conduct their business. And so I think that what I think is that I trust them more than the football writer who sits at their desk. (laughs) I think uh, I'm 100% with you on this. And it's completely, I always take the view of like the club has so much more information, so much more information about everything that all the information that you require to know whether that was a good or a bad decision that the club took. The club has all the information. The football writer has almost none of it. Almost none of it. But the football writer has got to make money. So the football writer (laughs) produces grade pieces, right? And people click on grade pieces and read them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I know why they exist, but I, I completely agree. E- anytime, it's the same with team selection. 
anytime a team selection is criticized by a football writer, I think, yeah, but you don't know what training was like that week. You don't know who's got a niggle. You know, you don't know who was because everything's tracked now. They put GPS trackers on players during training. So you don't know who's yeah. who's like in the lower tail of their performance for the week, right? You don't know that. Um, yeah. So I, I just, I, I think I put it in that class. It's like, I'm with you completely. I mean, you probably got player ratings on some websites as soon as five minutes after kickoff, you know, when not every, not yeah, every player's they, touched the ball yet. Yeah. There's a there's a website called Who Scored who tracks player performance um, for all major football leagues, and there's a um, website called Pro Football Focus which tracks all NFL player performance, and they assign grades to like literally everything. So like every pass gets a grade, every <laughs> tackle gets a grade, and I'm. The the problem with those things, I think that they're probably a better attempt to get some sort of sense of what's gone on than just looking at a stat sheet and seeing like past sixty five times. Um, sorry, the cat's just jumped on me again. Fuck off, you little prick. Um, you know they'll they'll do a better job of understanding things in the box score which might just say score two goals did they have a good game or not you know like were those goals massive flukes did they do anything right. else they all they only had three tackles but those tackles were all insane last second saving tackles that stopped certain goals but at the same time you don't know what any of the responsibilities of that player are you don't know whether or not they're in the position that they're in because someone else fucked up right you know, so like where you criticize someone for a goal and you're like, oh, he's miles out of position. You don't know if he's actually covering someone else. You don't know what the manager's right. uh, instructions to him are. Right. You don't know what the game plan is at all. And they don't tell you afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> they don't come out and say, oh, yeah, actually, my teammate fucked up and I was trying to cover for him, but I didn't. Because professional athletes look after each other much more than I think we give them credit for. Right. So. You know, it's this like inexpert people attempting to qualify what people who are doing, and the people who are doing it are the most expert in the world at the things <laughs> that they're doing. Yes, that's yeah. Like, never forget that that they're being paid insane amounts of money because they're so good at what they do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's quite remarkable. The you could call it the football writers' hubris, couldn't you? You know, a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. it's all sports writers yeah. and it's ultimately it's all fans and you know telling people well you don't have all the information so you just can't have an opinion is stupid obviously we want Mustafi to get out of right. Arsenal right but but at the same time at the same know, time I don't know if I really want to like I don't know so what did you do you, you read Ars blog right did you yeah, read yeah. the player ratings like at the end of the season he, I think, has said that he thinks that player ratings are stupid. Right. He thinks that in-game grades are stupid. But the nature of modern media now is that you just have to participate in this game because that's where your clicks come from and your clicks are where your money right. comes from. You know, from. I, yeah, I mean, for all this, I did read his, because I read it every day. So I just read the day's one, which was the player ratings one. So I just read it. But I did yeah. read it thinking, you know, like, this is so fucking arbitrary, you know? Uh, 
did you read it being like, I will either agree with this or I will disagree with this. And I'm going to just go through and be like, no, that's too high. No, that's too low. You know, I didn't even think like, that's too high, that's too low. I just kind of thought like, ah, this is weird. You know, like, I just don't know how you can reduce someone's number to like, yeah, just a one number out of 10. And, you know, some of the broad the broad strokes of it, you know, like Mustafi getting a three out of 10 or whatever you can't argue with. I'm like, yeah, I agreed with, yeah. but most of it, I just thought, you know, you're every, everyone is between a six and an 8.5. Right. right so exactly. like, what are we really doing here? You know, and the people who are eights and 8.5 was Obama, Yang and Lacazette because they score all the goals. Right. Yeah. They were you amazing. Know? And they were amazing, but you, I mean, Laurent Koscielny got like six point five, I think, or maybe seven. But I would say that I've, I would yeah. say that he should have got because he's just so we're so much better when he's playing. You know, he's as important, I think, as the strikers. Right. There's all these intangible things that we also can quantify when we try and start quantifying things. Yeah. Who's organizing the defense? Who's communicating in the middle of the match? Who? looks like a scratchy shite player but somehow is just sort of always slightly in the right place right exactly you know like thomas miller yeah thomas miller looks like a 85 year old man (laughs) but he was always just like his weird old face popped up and he scored (laughs) He he did nothing and then he would score and then he would do nothing and did this like really aggressive celebration yeah (laughs) <laughs> he just screamed at the camera for a while. Yeah, so, uh, I, I think that... I always find it slightly offensive how annoying <laughs> Thomas Miller was. I was like, you're not athletic! I know, because he runs like a long-distance runner. He kind of just like... He just kind of like smoothly runs around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he runs like he's carrying <laughs> he never, He never looked... He actually has a similarity between him and Ozil in their running style, I think. You know, like a little bit of just... Yeah long stride don't look like they're really doing anything high intensity ever at any point yeah yeah and then suddenly Tom yeah. books it in the net and then he's like yeah i know but the thing is he did it so often and so frequently that you just had to give him credit at some level he he knew something yeah. about how football worked yeah it just wasn't apparent yeah but you know like even mustafi like you but, could say we don't i mean He's he's fair to say he's fair game right at the moment for every, for criticism. Yeah, for, uh, but for sure. you don't know what he's been asked. Like, so maybe maybe he is being given this insanely difficult defensive role. Maybe he he is. I mean, I don't think it really the it doesn't really stand well, up because like mainly what he does is just like have a brain freeze and just slide onto the ground and give away a penalty. That's mainly what he does, which can't be. Like any, yeah, that can't right. be anything that's like in the game plan. But we don't, we don't, after the game's happened, we don't sit down and watch like a commentaryless version of the, the game where we just watch all the players from a like panoramic view where we can see everyone on the pitch and we only watch Mustafi and chart the things that he does and the things he's supposed right. to do. Because we don't have the time to do that. But that's what professional coaches right. do. And two very good professional coaches now. I mean, three if you think he was in the um, World Cup winning side for yep. Germany. 
like all of these guys know more about what a defender is supposed to do than I do. But all I know is that when I turn the game on, he does stuff and I notice the stupid yeah. stuff and get pissed yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, and that's totally natural as a fan. It doesn't mean that he's not a bad player, but it does mean that there's a huge amount of stuff that is not going into my brain. But if I then want go to write a grade based on the telecast that I've seen, if he made a mistake, he gets a five. If he didn't do anything of note, he gets a 6.5 to 7. If he had a goal line clearance, then he <laughs> yeah, gets it's like like there's no there's no uh, like subtleties there about like whether the fact that there was even an opportunity to have a goal line clearance was even occurred in the whole match, right? Right, because of his good positioning and right, exactly, in which which would result in like a six point five or a seven, you know, yeah. like. Mustafi didn't really yeah. do anything this game, and you're like, because yeah. he was always in the right place. <laughs> yeah, it's so like... nothing is a <laughs> defender good if nothing dangerous occurs. <laughs> well, if you look at the player ratings, like no, like there, that would be like the average. Like you would get a six point five with the saying, like defense didn't have to work too too hard in this match. Uh, yeah. so hard to tell, hard to rate. Yeah, you know, something like that, and it's like because he wasn't doing a last ditch sliding tackle on someone who threw on goal. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that was the thing that's been trope of the week, but it's kind of just like something that's grinded my gears. Yeah, is this? Yeah. It's getting into the uh, time of year where we start quantifying everything because mm. nothing's happening. Yeah. So there's no games being played, so we just start assigning grades to things that we have no real knowledge of, like a player transfer yeah. or player swaps. Arsenal got Mkhitaryan. Manchester United got Alexis Sanchez. Manchester United get an A. Arsenal get a C. And you're yeah. like, this is so much more complicated <laughs> than that. I know, yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. That's a good trope of the week. There we are. All right, okay. so let's do predictions. I've got a prediction. I presume that you don't. Well, uh, I've got just like something I wish. <laughs> <laughs> like a wish upon a, a wish upon a star. It's right. overcast here at the moment, but I'm going to wish upon a star. Right. I, I, okay. So I don't. I can't even imagine how, but I want the Champions League final to be so bad and just so awful that neither team, no one feels like. Either team deserved to win it or did anything of value in the entire match. That's my wish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you think it'll come true, Calum? <laughs> I mean, I think that I ultimately just wish that Tottenham don't win now. That's Have my you main watched wish. The Aveng- Have you watched The Avengers? No, I didn't watch the last Avengers film and I thought that the one that was before that was shit mm. and I haven't watched any of the superhero films since right. 2016 so, or something like that. So I, I was in a very similar position to you. So what I did was I like watched like this YouTube video that was like in three minutes covered all of the like 
seven Marvel films I hadn't watched. And then <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like I, those three minutes were enough for me to just be like, yes, I can watch this film now because the way they work is like, there's a whole film. And then right at the end before the credits, like there's this little thing that just inches the overarching plot forward <laughs> by a half a centimeter. So yeah. all someone did was just mention all of those like little half a centimeter inches forward, you know, like it was ridiculous. So, um, but anyway, there's this thing. There's this thing that allows the bad guy to turn back time, so he seems like he's in like an unbeatable bad guy, right? Because he can just like he uses this thing to turn back time and then just like does something different and one wins. So, right. so if you beat is, him, I then he that. goes back in time. So that's what I want. I want that thing. Yeah, if you beat him, he just goes back in time and then just you then you then he just like fixes whatever it was that you beat him with. Right. It's like it's like an eight year old coming up with a way that his younger brother will never beat him at play fighting, you know? Right. That's like, that's like basically what the Avengers plotline has been. Anyway, right. um, that's what I want. I want that thing. It's a, it's called the infinity gauntlet. If you must know, Callum, I want oh, that I thing. Did must, I did must know. <laughs> so I, want I was to, insisting. So lied. I want to go back in time and just fix that Tottenham one. I don't yeah. even need to fix the, the Barcelona-Liverpool one. I'll let them have that, right? I would just fix that. And then if Ajax lost to Liverpool, I would just fix that one again as well <laughs> with my little Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Uh, so your prediction is that you're going to go back in time and make, <laughs> and make Ajax win. That was my wish upon a star. To be honest, it's about as likely to come true as some of our other predictions. So that's fine. Uh, so my prediction... Um, now, in the run-up to it's the FA Cup final tomorrow, and Manchester City are playing against Watford. And mm-hmm. in the run-up to the game, Pep Guardiola was asked about current um, allegations or investigations that Manchester City breached financial fair play rules, and he said that they are Man City are innocent until proven guilty. Of financial fair play rules. <laughs> and so my uh-huh. prediction is that they will be found innocent <laughs> of <laughs> financial fair play indiscretions. That's your prediction. That's my prediction is that the club, which is owned mm. by an oil nation and which has spent ludicrous amounts of money since being bought in 2008 when they spent £33 million on Rubinho, who was shit, <laughs> and uh, and had Stephen Ireland playing for a while, <laughs> and were fined you know, 49, £49 million. Pounds they were fined in 2014. Um, I think that they will be... Deemed to be completely legit and above board. I completely agree with you, and I mean, you just need to point to like PSG and just say like they're fine. So, <laughs> yeah. presumably, PSG spent two hundred million pounds <laughs> on Neymar, and uh-huh. they were like, "Yeah, no, that's not a breach of financial fair play. That's totally fine." On one, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, I I agree. They they probably shouldn't if financial fair play was anything that you know 
actually worked in the ways in which it was supposed to work, they wouldn't be found innocent. But it doesn't seem to be that way for any other club. So I think that's a bang on prediction, Callum. Yep. Uh, uh, who do you think will win the final? Uh, I think Liverpool will win the final. And the FA Cup final? I think Man City will win the FA Cup final. And who will win the Europa League final? I think Arsenal will win the Europa League final. Do you really? Uh huh. Are you just? I think we. To? I th- no, I think we could. I think I'm. Um, I think we can beat Sarri's Chelsea. For sure. You heard it here first. The real prediction uh-huh. for episode eight. That was a great underreaction. All right. Good job. Do you have any hey, any like... final thoughts? No.